Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the Webby-nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by Himalaya, the best app for discovering, listening, and organizing podcasts. Himalaya was nice enough to reach out and make me an editor's choice, so now they're a sponsor. Check them out at Himalaya.com or in the App Store. I'm excited to be here today with Jennifer Bletcher as in Fletcher, who is the author of Out of Place, her debut middle grade novel. A former lawyer, she now lives in Boston with her husband and their three daughters. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. And I'm also here with my daughter, my older daughter, who's going to help us ask questions because she and I read this book together and we loved it. So Jen, can you tell us what Out of Place is about and what inspired you to write it? Sure. So Out of Place is the story of a 12-year-old girl named Cove who lives on Martha's Vineyard, which is an island off of Cape Cod with her mom. She's never left the island once in her entire life, which was fine with her until the day that her best friend Nina comes and tells Cove that Nina's going to be moving to New York City with Nina's two fathers. And in that moment, Cove's entire life feels like it's falling apart and she has no idea how to make it better. And it's a story about friendship and mistakes and big acts of courage. And yeah, it was so good. I should have read also the subtitle, which is, How Do You Find Where You Fit In? Yes. Which is such a relevant question. I think it's something that people of every age struggle with. And I think it's particularly acute maybe when you're 12 and also maybe when you're 40. (laughs) (laughs) So when Phoebe and I were reading this, we got to the part about the girls barking at Cove. And Phoebe asked me, I put a little sticky at the time, like, why does she want to write such a mean book? And then when I was reading your website, it said that that had actually happened to you, which I haven't even told Phoebe yet which was crazy. So tell me the whole thing. What happened with you? You kept it a secret for 25 years. Tell us this horrible story. Yes. Okay. So the horrible story is that when I was in fifth grade, we moved cities and I started a new school. And the girls who were a year older than me decided that I looked like a dog. And because I looked like a dog, they were going to call me Rover and bark at me in the hallways. And it was shattering. I was new to the school and it was absolutely crushed me. And I did not tell a single person for 25 years until I actually told my mom a few years ago and she was furious. And the reason that I wrote about these mean girls is because I think that things like that do happen to kids, hopefully not to the extent that it happened to me and not to the extent that it does happen to Cove in the book. But I do think that it's important to recognize the challenges that kids face socially when we drop them off at school, when we drop them off at camp, when we throw them out into the world and the impact that it can have on them. And I like how in the book you have Cove befriend Jonah who works at the secondhand clothing store where she buys everything called Sal's. And he says to her, she's, he's the only one she really tells about this. And he says to her, you know, you look nothing like a dog, right, Cove? Those girls, they're mean. They're just like mean girls everywhere, trying to bring down everyone around them to make themselves feel better. It's not about you. It's about them. And she doesn't really believe him, but it makes her feel better. So you didn't confide in anyone. You did have Cove tell somebody. Do you think that helps? And why do you think girls do this? Not just girls. Why do, why do people feel the need to do this? Like putting everybody down and does it really help you to, I mean, does it make them feel better, you think, the mean girls? I don't know. So I think in the short term, it does make people feel better. And I do like that you did mention that there's mean people everywhere. There's 
mean girls, there's mean boys, there's mean adults. And I think that's just the way our world works, unfortunately. What do you think that we as parents can do about girls being really mean to other girls? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. I don't know if we can prevent the meanness, but one thing that I've really thought about, both in writing this book and then also, you know, with my own therapist, reading my Brene Brown, who <laughs> I love and I think everybody should read, is I think that we have to recognize that as parents, as mothers, our job isn't necessarily to fix things, but our job is to sit with our kids when they're uncomfortable and let them be uncomfortable, let them know that this is a really tough time, but they are going to get through it. I mean, I, as you know, I have three daughters and I've so, there's so many times in my own house where I'm lying in bed with one of my daughters as she's sobbing because something horrible happened at school today, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm rubbing her back and telling her it's going to be okay. And, you know, inside I'm like on fire. I mean, I am raging with fury, (laughs) but as a, as moms, I think we just, it's not always our job to intervene. Sometimes we just need to be there with them as they're feeling upset and letting them know that it's going to pass and using your judgment for when you do need to take it one step further. But it's not all the time. It's not all the time. Sometimes it's just listening. Yeah, I agree. That's good advice. Because I just want Phoebe to know. The reason I wrote about those mean girls is because I knew that Cove was strong enough to handle it. And Cove didn't know at the time. And I think a lot of kids... Don't know at the time, but I wanted anyone that reads the book to know that they are strong enough to handle these situations and that they will get through them just like Cove did. And so that's why you decided to take your experience and turn it into a novel? I didn't do it intentionally. I mean, I really sat down and I had this voice of this girl named Cove who lived on Martha's Vineyard and I knew her best friend had moved away and I knew she was having a hard time with it. And that scene... When I wrote Out of Place, my kids were really little, and I used to write really early in the morning before they woke up. And I remember writing that scene, and it just, like, flowing from my fingers. So it wasn't intentional. But now, looking back, I'm sure it was in my subconscious, and it's something that I've wanted to write about for a long time. For me, my head is super messy. I think all of ours are as moms, as women as people working in the world. And the way I really process things and make sense of things is by writing them down. So that's a big reason why I think that scene appeared in the book. And I'm happy that it's there. I'm happy that kids get to read about it. By the way, for people listening, Jen looks nothing like a dog. She's adorable (laughs) and looks amazing. And the fact that she would be picked on is just tragic. So no, there's no, there's no barking here. No barking here. (laughs) Thank you. No and I've seen pictures of myself when I was in fifth grade. I did not look like a dog then either. So Not that that None would have been rational. justified or anything, yes. but just as an aside. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. So Cove does decide to confide in Jonah, who's a college graduate who's working at Sal's, the secondhand clothing store, which is the store her mother insists that she shop at rather than buying any new clothes. He takes an interest in Cove, and when she tells him the story, he says, you know, you look nothing like a dog, right, Cove? Those girls, they're mean. They're just like mean girls everywhere, trying to bring down everyone around them to make themselves feel better. It's not about you, it's about them. And she doesn't really believe him, but it does make her feel better. So talk to me about the importance of confiding in someone. So the reason I love Jonah is because I don't think the person, if something like this is happening to you, the person doesn't need to be your mom, your dad, your teacher. I think it's important to look for a person that listens to you, that looks you in the eye, and that 
sees you as a whole person. And for Cove, that's Jonah. And he's young and he's awesome. And he's got his own life that he's out there living. And I'm so grateful that he was that person that could step in for Cove and really listen to her story. And I think, you know, one of the things, if something like this is going on, it can be really hard to talk about. And one of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been talking about this book is that it doesn't need to even be said out loud. Sometimes you can leave someone a note on a table. Sometimes you can just send them a text message. But just letting someone know what's going on is really important and can make a huge difference. I agree. I feel like things get worse when you keep them inside. Mm-hmm. It's like the middle of the night, how things seem worse when you're like in the middle of the night and then you wake up and it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. I feel like confiding and can help in that as well. So. Oh, yes. Do you have any interest in fashion design? A big part of your book was this show called Create You, which I feel like Phoebe wants to like dash out of here and go start watching if it were a real <laughs> show where contestants have to you know, design and get picked and everything. How did you come up with that show idea? Do you want to actually start that show, which would be pretty cool? Well, let's start with those questions. Sure. So when I was writing this book, my oldest daughter was learning to sew and loving it. And at the same time, we were stuck in one brutal Boston winter where we were stuck inside the house for all these snow days. And we started watching Project Runway Junior, mm-hmm. which is what yeah. the fictional show is based off of. And she doesn't really get to watch it that much anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a show. Yeah. So, and personally, I, I love, I love to sew. I love to knit. Throw a craft at me and I will fully oh. embrace it. So I have made my kids clothes when they were little and I've knitted them sweaters and that came to a rapid end as soon as they were old enough to tell me what they actually wanted to wear. So anything creative does hold a special place in my heart. As I think it does Cove's, I mean, Cove, a lot of times in middle grade novels, what I've noticed is that people will try and give kids a defined character trait. And this person will be super, super smart. And this person will be super into science. And this person will be an amazing athlete. And Cove is just a regular girl trying to get through her day. She does love to draw. She is creative, but it's not her defining characteristic as she moves through the world. But this was something that caught her eye. It caught Jonah's eye, and it's something that they really bonded over and had a lot of fun watching together. One of the challenges in the show was if you were to design clothing that reflects your inside on the outside, what would that look like? Do you have an idea of what that would look like for you? Ooh, this is a good question. So if I was going to design something that would represent who I was on the inside, well, first of all, it would be a dress and it would be like long and flowing and it would look amazing on whatever beach I was walking on. But I think the important part is that, you know, those leggings that are really popular where there's a lot of stuff going on with the leggings, there's emojis and all kinds of different patterns. Phoebe's wearing some pretty awesome (laughs) star leggings right now, which I totally love. I think the fabric that my dress is sewn from would be really busy. There would be hearts and there would be arrows and there would be puppies and there would be skulls and there would be fear and there would be envy and there would be all kinds of things and it would be really messy and I would wear it on the beach and just be super proud because that's actually how I do feel on the inside. I think it's the way a lot of us feel on the inside, no matter how we present on the outside. So if I was going to be totally honest about my outfit, that's probably what it would look like. A little chaotic. I feel like my outfit would have like a spinny top on the outside of a skirt like spinning, spinning, spinning. Like I feel like sometimes everything's going like so fast and it's like my brain is like spinning. I just, and nothing can slow it down. Yeah, it's like, anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
One interesting thing is that you painted such a specific portrait of Cove's mom mm-hmm. as this sort of modern-day hippie, I don't want to use the wrong labels, but incredibly environmentally aware to a, a pretty extreme extent. So she doesn't want to leave the island. She won't let Cove wear commercially manufactured clothing, basically, not to mention all the eating requirements, all of that. Do you think that as parents, we can take our beliefs to such an extreme that it can actually harm our kids or make them feel alienated? I think there's completely an extreme that people do take it to. I think Cove's mom, she's clearly a little bit of the villain in this book, although she, she, the thing I love about Cove's mom is I think she comes from such a good place. I mean, her intentions are so pure. She, in my opinion, is way too restrictive and way too rigid. But at the same time, as a mom myself, I absolutely can see where she's coming from. Um, You know, for example, my daughter, Ella, who's Phoebe's age, who's in fifth grade, desperately wants a cell phone. Mm. And she'll ask me for a cell phone, and I will look at her, and my voice will get super deep, and I will say, Ella, in our family, we don't get cell phones until we're 13 years old, as if it's this grand, you know, edict that has been passed down from God, like through the generations, <laughs> generations. <laughs> you know, like this will not happen. Bless your family. But really, don't tell her this, Phoebe. But what it is, it's my husband and I late at night looking at each other saying, what do you think we should do? I don't know. What do you think we should do? And I think that's a situation. I mean, Cove's mom does take it to an extreme. She doesn't let Cove ever leave the island. And she has her reasons. And in my mind, I know what they are. But I think we're all really trying to do the best we can as moms in the particular moment. I have a lot more empathy for that kind of situation when it's sort of behavior as opposed to something like medical Mm -hmm. or the physical health of a child. I have a lot harder time in those situations putting myself in those parents' shoes. But for someone like Cove's mom, I mean, she does have a little place in my heart, even though she really does need to let Cove (laughs) grow up a little bit. And it was so great how her best friend Nina had two dads. And it was just like as any family. It, it just like, there was no attention paid to it. Just in other words, it was so natural, right? And this is the way life is, right? Mm-hmm. They're all different types and shapes of families. And it should be in fiction more often. I feel like it is not. Maybe I'm not reading the right, I don't read that much middle-aged fiction, but I haven't seen in anything I've read with Phoebe. Have you seen that before, Phoebe? No. So I don't know. I thought that was great. Well, tell me about your decision-making about them. So when I started writing Out of Place, I knew, I mean, Cove's voice just came to me. I knew it was going to be a middle grade novel narrated in the first person by a 12-year-old girl. And what I really wanted to do is write a very modern, contemporary middle grade novel. Mm -hmm. I wanted to reflect what my kids see in the world and what I see in the world. And at least where we live in Boston and where they go to school, there are so many same-sex parents. And it's not a conversation. It's you know, is Jane's papa or her dad going to pick her up Mm -hmm. from the play date? Is Susie's mom or mama going to meet us out for ice cream? And I really wanted Nina's situation, having two fathers, to be a complete non-issue. I wanted it just to be about her family as a loving family that's trying the best they can the way every most other families that we see are. So I hope it came across that way. It did. It it absolutely did. And I didn't want it, I didn't even want it to be commented on by Cove or by by anyone. And they have this great family game where they yeah. start drawing it at the dinner table and they pass the drawing after a little bit and 
add on, everybody adds on until they have a complete drawing. Do you do that at your family table or how, oh, where did that come from? I wish. I, mean, <laughs> I so wish. No, I don't. That, I have no idea where that came from. I don't plot. I rarely think things through in advance. I really write in the quiet in the early morning. And I just remember writing that scene and being like, of course, this is what Nina's dads would do. They're artistic, they're creative, they're loving, and they are trying their best, just like Cove's mom is, although, you know, maybe they're doing a little bit better of a job (laughs) in that regard. Different, right? No judgment, no judgment. No judgment. No judgment. (laughs) On your website, you said that when you write, you feel sparkly and glittery and alive, even though as a child, you weren't the type who would set off confetti bombs of excitement. So when did you realize how great writing made you feel? I think I've always known how great writing makes me feel. I think what happened for me was the more complicated my life became, the more I had to write about. So I remember very clearly writing a lot when I was pregnant with my first daughter. And I remember writing even more when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And then I had my third daughter. And it was really the only way I could keep a hold on what I really wanted to accomplish in sort of this artistic realm. And it's just really snowballed for me. And I've realized that it's just absolutely the way I love to express myself. I think I express myself much better on the page than I do verbally. And it makes me feel really, really complete to write and to write fiction and to tell these stories. And I feel very grateful that I'm able to do it. And you, we were chatting before and you said you hope to be writing this kind of book for a long time. Like this is, yeah. you love doing this. Is that your long-term plan or what you would oh, love gosh. to do? Yeah, I mean, I would love, I would, lo- <laughs> I, know, I would love to write so many of these books. It's funny because before I had been writing a lot of adult fiction and I still definitely play around with adult fiction. I mean, there's just so much material out there. But I think what it comes down to is when I've taken a step back, I love the voice of middle grade. Mm-hmm. I feel like middle grade is just the core of life. You know, in middle grade, there's a lot of issues that you're not necessarily going to write about, which leaves you with just the most wonderful parts. Friendship, family, love, finding where you fit in, finding who you are. And it's funny because when I do write for adults, I'm writing about the exact same stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm writing about friendships between moms as Mm -hmm. opposed to friendships between girls. I'm writing about relationships between adults as opposed to parents and children. But it's all the same. And this middle grade space, it's such an honor. I mean, I cannot wait to be able to talk to kids about this book. I mean, I want to talk to (laughs) Phoebe about this book and hear everything. So we'll see. This is a really nice space to be in. That's great. Do you have... Any advice to a middle grader? Let's start there. Yeah. Middle, like, let's say a six, let's say another 12 year old girl or boy who's yeah. out there just really struggling, feeling on the outskirts of things, not knowing really what to do next. Yeah. I mean, I would say don't do what I did. I would say tell somebody, like we were talking about before, in any way that you feel comfortable. It doesn't have to be a parent, it doesn't have to be a teacher. There are a lot of adults in this world that really just want to lend a hand, and it's not something that you should have to sit with on your own. It's a lot of it's overwhelming and it can feel like it's sinking you and there's no reason for it to be like that. And there's adults that want to help and there's books that you can read and you are not alone. Reach out and tell somebody. And also read your book. Yes, and read out of place and you will and you will see what Cove goes through and ultimately how she comes out the other end. They should read this in schools. You know, this should be like the required summer book. That would be awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to campaign what's that? Can choose 
At Winry Kitchen? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how about any advice to aspiring authors? Yeah, so my advice to aspiring author, which I'm sure we heard at some point, which I'm sure I heard at some point from Danny Shapiro, who we both absolutely adore, is when I write, when I write those really messy first drafts that are confusing and feel like they may never turn into anything, I'm only writing for one person. So for everything I write, the person changes. But when I sit down at my desk, it's only one person that's ever going to read this book. So for Out of Place, it was one of my daughters. And later on, when you get to editing and there's other people involved, you can sort of think more broadly. But when you're trying to just get the words on the page, just be in the room by yourself with one particular reader. Interesting. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It was so fun. Thanks for coming, Phoebe. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Phoebe. Phoebe, any parting words about the book? <laughs> Did you like it? I really like this book. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Phoebe. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks again to today's sponsor of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Himalaya, the best app for discovering, listening, and organizing podcasts, Himalaya.com. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 